So we are, like I said, in Psalm 121. We're talking about help this morning. Anybody ever feel like they need some help, right? I know I do. So this is the, this is the psalm for you. Let's uh, look to God's Word together. It says this, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. We learned last week that these 15 psalms that we're studying over the next 10 weeks were sung by the Israelites as they pilgrimaged to Jerusalem. Uh, if you would imagine with me this morning, i kind of take you to that area out there. It's more of a, a desert region. So think along with me as we set the, the scene and, and describe together. The Israelites are moving along towards Jerusalem. They are, in a sense, risking their lives to get to the destination, which is uh, Jerusalem sat on a mountain. It was up above everything. That place, they believed, and we believe this, that's where God's presence dwelt, in the, in the temple. A place where they could worship Him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength in obedience to God's Word. The destination rises in the distance before them. The mountain peak on the horizon emerging from the sprawling valley below. But in the immediate, as they travel along this dusty road, a group of pilgrims together singing songs to the Lord... Their songs echo across this arid landscape. Perhaps they hear the, the snap of a twig in the darkness. The beady yellow eyes of a beast looks upon the people, an animal that could harm or, or hurt them, and the questions surround, will it attack? Thieves and pirates shuffle along the way. The caves reverberate with threats from the invaders. Will they steal and kill and destroy? And out in the middle of the day, the sun beats down hot on God's people as they trudge across the desert. The dry desert wind sandblasts against them. Will they succumb to exposure? And you can hear the cry from God's people, Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I, I know the destination is not too far. The beautiful city, the mount that rises in the distance... And maybe you can relate to this. I know the destination is off there, but off in the distance. But right now, right in this moment, I feel distant and exposed. And from this, we, we hear a song and a, and a melody of help sung by God's people as they travel to their destination, as they continue in their long journey. The song sings of, the, of reminders of God's power and might, and they echo throughout the land the praise of God's people, the comfort of knowing the one true Lord. It echoes across. The melody overcomes the noise of the beast in the distance, the shuffling threats of the thieves. A cloud now blows across the scene, shading them from the sun's bright beams. I know it's hard on a day like this where it's a, it's a little frigid outside, but if you place yourself in the middle of the hot, humid Kentucky summer, it's July or August, 
Humidity is about 90%. Something about the dew point being really high. I don't understand how that works. And there's no clouds and the sun's beating down. I mean, is there anything more hot than that, right? Just beating down on you. And then that stray cloud comes along and covers the sun and shades you. You, you guys know the relief, right? Oh. You know, especially if you're out cutting grass. You're sweating, and then that cloud comes across and covers up the sun. You can imagine the, the echoes of God's people praising him and, and speaking of his help as that cloud comes across and gives them relief from that hot desert sun. A sigh of relief and a quick drink to quench their thirst. The journey continues on. Brings us to our main idea for this morning as we look to this passage. Our main idea is this. Our spiritual journey is lived in constant reminder of the destination. And the faith, this is what I want you to hear. The faithfulness of the one who brings it to completion. Who carries you along the way. I enjoy reading a Christian biography. Okay, uh, Information about great men and women of the faith. We quote a lot of Charles Spurgeon in here and Corey Ten Boom and other figures in biblical or in church history. One figure I want to bring to light this morning is a 19th century Christian. His name is George Mueller. He's noted for his incredible prayer life and his faithfulness to serving orphans in uh, England. He, he is an amazing example of someone who understood the journey and destination, and also this, the faithfulness and power of God to do these things, to help and to provide. Mueller is well known, again, for his orphan care in England and has a rich testimony of prayer and reliance on God's help and God's meeting of very specific needs for these orphans that he cared for. Mueller risked everything. He left his homeland. He was, he's German. He went to England, and his heart was broken seeing these kids on the streets just kind of living on scrap, some of them dying. It's thought that Mueller reached over 10,000 children, helped them to survive, housed them in his orphanages. They were saved and provided for by Mueller, his orphanages, and his staff team. I want to encourage you, you can, you can go online and print this out. It's called Answers to Prayer. Uh, George Mueller kept a, was a, a journaler. He journaled every, all of his prayers and the ways that, that God answered them. It's noted that he didn't even make his needs known to people. He would just pray to God about it, and God would provide. He trusted the Lord, and God would provide. I want to share with you one uh, such example of that. This is from one of his writings. It says that the children are dressed and ready for school. So this is the scene in the orphanage. But there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller, right? That, hey, there's no food, there's no milk, there's nothing for them. George asked her to do this. Take the 300 children into the dining room, have them sit at the tables. <laughs> and he did this when they sat down. He thanked God for the food that he was going to provide for him. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a knock at the door. Baker stood there. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew, somehow, you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. 
I'll bring it in. Soon, there's another knock at the door. It's the milkman. It just so happened his cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George, hey, can you use some free milk? George smiled as the milkman brought in. There was ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 children. I think this man understood the faithfulness of God and help and the humility of George Mueller to pray in earnest and call upon the Lord. Lord, would you provide? Would you provide? I can imagine these words from this psalm playing out in Mueller's head. The, the first verse, and then we'll skip to the last one, if you look to the screens or your Bibles. Him saying, I lift my eyes up to the hills and saying, from where does my help come from? He knew because he had seen God show up in amazing ways. That's why, family, we've got to read Christian biography because it will be so encouraging to your faith. He would be thinking these words, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I'm sure George Mueller struggled at times, but he was always faithful to get on his knees and pray and call upon the Lord to provide. I can imagine that he would think upon this great promise of, the, of God's faithfulness to his people in Philippians 1.6. I'm sure the words of Paul echoed in his head. He would say, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What good news. We must live our spiritual journey in constant reminder of this, of the destination and the faithfulness of the one who brings it to completion, who draws us to that place that we are going to. We're going to look at this morning as we examine this passage and draw the truth out from it. We're going to look at three ways that we can remind ourselves of some incredible attributes of God. Three ways, three reminders. I want you to notice this before we get into those three reminders. There's a shift in the language. If you read the first two verses, they're in, they're in the first person. What does it mean in the first person? He's talking about himself. What, words like I. I lift my eyes up. Okay, and then in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. But if you notice, then there's a shift in the language. It goes to the second person. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. Do you see the second person language there? It's almost as if this person is reflecting on his need, I, and then all of a sudden it's stirring in his heart, this preaching towards himself. I've got to remember what, what the Lord has done for me. And he's preaching to himself this message, the rest of this passage flowing out. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as you walk in life and you face trouble, we have to understand where our help comes from, but we don't under, only understand that. We preach that message to ourselves of confidence in the Lord. So we'll preach these reminders to ourselves. Reminder number one is this, His power. Reminder number one, His power. We remind ourselves of the power of the Lord. I am comforted in times when I need help 
understanding that the Lord is powerful. I'm going to read through the first uh, four verses or so. I'm going to pause about halfway through, so just kind of follow with me. Uh, The writer says this, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? He says this, my help comes from the Lord, hear this, who made heaven and earth. The the writer is standing back and he's looking at the big picture here. The God who created all things. As God's children, our, our help is derived from this, from the source of all power. One of God's attributes, we say that he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. How do we know this from Scripture? I preach a lot on the, on the creation account. Genesis 1, read it over and over and over again, because it will give you a reminder of the power of God. How do we know that he is powerful? Because he speaks things into existence when things didn't exist before. He's the one who has eternally existed, spoke things into existence from nothing. I want to encourage you, water is powerful, right? I went and visited Cumberland Falls a few years ago. They call that the, what, the Niagara of the South, right? Big waterfall. It's, it's just this awe-inspiring sight to see. You can kind of get down low underneath the waterfall, and there's a little walkway there, and you can stay, and you feel kind of the percussive hit of the water hitting the river below. There's 40,000 gallons of water per second that flow over and fall 65 feet down to the river below. That's amazing. That's a lot of water. Hear this. God created all the elements that brought this to pass. The water, the ground. They weren't there, and then he said, be there, and they were there. And yet, in in the power at that particular waterfall, I haven't seen this myself, but I'm told that at night when... The water hits, and it's this powerful hit, and then there's this gentle mist that comes up. And when it's a full moon, and it's really dark, and and the moon hits that mist, they say a moonbow forms. Kind of like a rainbow, but it's not. It's a moonbow. And the light hits hits that mist, and and when the light hits that water, it, it breaks out into pieces, and you get... All these colors. And so we see the power of God there, but we see the gentleness of God. And also, it's almost as God meant, as if God meant to do this. We, we receive a promise when we see those colors break apart. This is the power of God. He is the creator. Right here, it says, the maker of heaven and earth. You look into the night skies and you see those burning balls of flame in the sky we call stars. God spoke those things into existence. He's amazing. And why do I go to great lengths to explain this? This is the source of power that you have. And we have to preach this to ourselves. Verse 3. He will, so the maker of heaven and earth, verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. So we go from the big down to 
feet, right? Now, my feet are big. Some of your feet are small. Small thing, right? Compared to heavens and earth. So God is big, but he's also concerned with every... There's not one stray molecule in all of the universe that God doesn't have control over. He will not let your foot be moved. Now it gets personal. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will will neither slumber nor sleep. Look at the back and forth of of this ending statement. The intimacy of God with his people. He holds your foot in place. Okay, Okay, Proverbs says, I'll make my plans, but you direct what? My steps. He will not let your foot go anywhere that he does not want it to go. Think about your life, right? I know there's times I look at my life and I'm like, man, I should, I should be dead. Something should have took me out right there. But, but the Lord held my foot. He would not let it move. Talks about slumber and, and sleep. That, that idea of slumber is, is drowsiness. Okay, you go home on a Sunday afternoon and, and I think in about another week you're going to have the NASCAR guys start up again. Driving in a circle, turning left, right? Is it today? <laughs> My bad. Oh yeah, the Super Bowl's later than it used to be. It used to be two weeks from the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's last weekend, right? Yes. Okay, so Daytona 500 today. Go home and sit down. I, I kind of like NASCAR, I'm going to admit it. Sit down and watch that, though, after listening to me talk for a little bit, and you're kind of, you go home and you eat a lot of food, sit and watch those cars go in a circle and turn left and that droning noise and tell me what happens to you in about 30 minutes. You're going to get drowsy, aren't you? You're going to get a little sleepy. God doesn't. God never gets drowsy. God never falls asleep. God's always aware. God's always alert. He always knows everything that is going on. He does not slumber nor sleep. Which, in the context of this passage, in these people, this is a far cry from the gods of their surrounding enemies because their gods all fell asleep. It's noted in history, in their stories, that their gods fell asleep. But the Lord, that is I am, that is Yahweh, never sleeps nor slumbers. That should be good news to the Christian. So where does my help come from? My help comes from then the all-powerful God who's made everything from nothing. The all-powerful God who is so involved that he holds my very foot in place. The all-powerful God that never slumbers nor sleeps. That's where my help comes from. Hebrews 11.3 gives us a view into creation also. The author says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. He spoke things into existence from nothing. The power of God is on full display in the created order. In times of desperation, we must remind ourselves, we preach to ourselves this all-powerful God that we worship. And the things that we've mentioned here, they just scratch the surface of God's power. If you're discouraged, see what God does for his people. Go back and read Exodus 7 to 14 and see how God acts on behalf of his people. The power that he has 
over the supposed gods of this world. Our God is powerful, family. Preach that message to yourself. Our God is powerful. Reminder number two. Our second reminder is His covering. His covering. Verses 5 and 6. says this, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. I want you to notice, notice this shift in language in, in the last few verses. Here, here's a Bible study tip for you. When you're reading a passage and you see a word repeated over and over and over again, get your pen out and start circling that word. And you'll notice in this passage, this, the writer of this passage says, keeps or keeping over and over and over again. The keeping of the Lord. He is our keeper. God holds fast to you. This reminds me again of Philippians 1.6, where Paul again says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Family, the Lord keeps you. The Lord holds on to you. It says this, The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Family, we're under the covering of God. We're under the shade. Verse 6 says, The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The author's getting at this. The whole clock, all day long, God keeps watch. God's covering His people. God's over them. He's that shade that comes by, that cloud that comes by on that 95 degree day with 90% humidity. Giving you rest from the heat for a moment. In Christ, you are under the covering of God day and night. Nothing will ever happen to you, hear this, nothing will ever happen to you that God does not intend for these things, His glory and for your good. Because His Word teaches that we are shaded by Him, we're covered by Him. I knew this covering personally, I've known it on a few occasions, but I knew it in particular when I was in a major accident, I think it was probably about 10 years ago. I was driving home from uh, the church I was pastoring at at the time. I had this really nice red Jeep. Nice Jeep Wrangler. It was the Rubicon model, guys, if you know what I'm talking about. I had the lockers in the front and back. I lifted it, 35-inch tires. It was a nice Jeep. So I'm driving. I missed that car. <laughs> I'm driving, and I, I came to this intersection, and it, it was a highway, so it was busy. And there was this weird outer highway that ran parallel to it, and that was the way I would turn to go home. And where I was at on this street, kind of like a T, this highway was, was lifted a little bit. It was kind of like a big hump in the middle. And so I'm sitting there watching the traffic because I'm trying to dart down this, this road that runs uh, along the side of this highway. And all of a sudden, as I'm sitting there, something catches my attention coming through. I hear some loud crashes and banging and noise. And I look up, and forever etched in my memory is this gigantic, white, three-quarter ton, Chevy, heavy-duty pickup truck coming towards me, coming through the intersection. The light's red. He's not supposed to be going through the intersection. Traffic's coming this way. He's coming towards me. Comes through, hits car number one, keeps going, hits car number two, which swings around. At this point, he's airborne. I can see the bottom of the truck coming towards me. And he hits 
I, I ducked at that point, so I didn't see any more. But what happened is he hit the front part of my Jeep and peeled the whole top of that Jeep off and landed on the car behind me. Seven people were airlifted from the scene of that accident. When I saw him coming through, I leaned over, planned my funeral for a couple seconds, came back up and said, why am I seeing daylight above me? <clears throat> there was this weird silence. You know when like a, like a, you read a war story and the soldiers talk about a bomb going off and there's just this eerie silence? And it was, I got up and looked around and it looked like a, it looked like a bomb went off in the intersection. Numerous cars. I think, I think it was probably 10 cars involved in this accident. He, this, this, uh, this man had had a stroke and pinned out the, the gas, the accelerator, was going 95 miles an hour, they estimate, when he hit the intersection. And once he hit that first car, he just went airborne. Seven people airlifted. I opened the door and got out. I started walking around and helping people. And here's the thing, if God wanted to take me, he could have taken me right then. And he had every right to. He's the sovereign Lord of the universe. But he didn't. I'm under his covering. The Lord protected me, and he said, I have more stuff for you to do. And I walked away. I think I understand his covering. Think about those moments in your life where you understand the covering of the Lord over you. Maybe you were in a life of drugs and addiction, and you should be laying in a ditch somewhere on I-65, but the Lord shaded you and covered you, and you're here today. He's so good to us. Preach this reminder to yourself, his covering over you. Uh, we've been singing a song that echoes Numbers 6, uh, 6, 24 to 26. I think it's a beautiful way. If we would remember this, and we've been singing it recently, so we can kind of sing it in our head. Does the Lord bless you and keep you? The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and what? And give you peace. You are under, in Christ, you are under the covering of God. Reminder number three, his pathway. We remind ourselves of his pathway. In Christ, again, the, the, the scene, the Israelites are heading towards a destination. They're going to the mountain. They're going to Jerusalem to worship God. In Christ's family, we will get to our destination. Oftentimes, we, we're so discouraged by the moment. You ever get caught up in that moment, right here and right now, that thing that's stressing me out, that thing that worries me, that thing that weighs upon my shoulders. We get so discouraged by the moment or the crisis that we're in. I was reminded as I was finishing up these words uh, early this morning, I started thinking back, what was I worrying about one year ago today? What was I worried about? You want to know what? I can't remember. What was I worried about two years ago? Five years ago? Ten years ago? I can't remember. What was the thing that was keeping me up at night? I mean, for the most part, if it's something major, you remember that, but there's a, there's a lot of us that struggle to sleep at night, right? And, and your mind gets going, and it's turning, and it's thinking. 
And one week, one year later, you can't even remember what that thing is anymore. Because you got to we're, we're stuck in this moment right now. And oftentimes what we have to do is lift our eyes up to the horizon and see that, that destination off in the distance that God is drawing us towards. And we've got to preach that to ourselves. His pathway, the pathway he's taking us on. The, the journey and the path keep moving towards that destination. Verses 7 to 8 says this, The Lord will keep you from all evil. It says he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. From this time forth, in the present, and forevermore. Do you see the, the completeness of this statement? Going out, coming in. From this time, from this time, right, present, to forevermore, eternity. We see the, the completeness of time. Our pathway, family, I want to encourage you in this. Our pathway is secure in Christ. There's so many passages that tell us to, to remain in Him and to persevere. Paul talks about running the race. Keep going. Keep walking down the path. Even though the now is holding you back and you're focused on this one thing, lift your eyes up to the horizon and see the destination that Jesus is drawing you towards. Our pathway is secure in Jesus if we remain in Him. We are assured that, that He will keep us on the right path. It says the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will guide and direct your steps through the power of His Spirit that has indwelt you. You see, it's easy in life to, to lose the forest for the trees. When I first moved out here, uh, where I lived at was a desert place. There was no vegetation, so you could see for miles all around. But when I came here, there's these things called trees. I can remember I went out on a mountain bike ride when I first moved out here. It's a lot easier to mountain bike in Southern California than it is here because you can see where you're going. And I came through this, this little, quick little creek thing, hit my front tire, lost control, and what was in front of me? I lost the pathway. I lost the forest for the trees. I saw the tree, man, target locked onto that bad boy, and boom! <laughs> Don't lose the forest for the trees. It hurts, trust me. <laughs> we have to remember the destination. That's a, in, in mountain biking, that's the thing. Don't focus on the thing that you don't want to hit. Because you want to know what you're going to hit? If I keep looking at it, some of you do that when you're driving, too. I've seen you out there. <laughs> the destination is infinitely more beautiful than the present, and it is secure if we remain in Christ. His word says to abide in Him. Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 3-7. to It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to these things, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to this, to an inheritance, right? Now we're thinking about the destination, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. But then Peter gets real right here. He gets real. Though now for a little while... If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep on the path, even though you face turmoil and trouble at times. The Lord is pulling you through. He's boxing you in a, in a sense. He's keeping your foot from being moved in the wrong direction. It says He will keep you from all evil. We rejoice in this way. We praise the Lord in this way. In His keeping of us. He keeps us. That He's in control of our coming and going in this present time, it says, and forevermore. Forevermore is a long time, isn't it? What a great promise that we have. Peter draws to light here that, that this is guarded by God's power even though we may suffer in the present time. Don't let your present suffering and trouble and stress hold you back from holding fast to God's promises and preaching to yourself those things, the things that we've covered. Preach to yourself that God is powerful, that God is my covering, and that God does have a pathway for me, that He's leading me to that mountain, to that destination of His goodness in His glory, in His love. Amen? And this is all secured, paid for, paid in full, by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's as certain as Jesus who rose from the dead. That's the importance of the resurrection. That we can trust the Lord because He rose from the dead. Amen? I want to invite our band to come forward now as we respond to the Word of God.